Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, it is uh, lovely to see you all here this morning. Uh, it's great to gather together as God's people uh, to worship Him. Uh, we are uh, going to continue our sermon series, uh, encouraging our own hearts uh, as we journey through the book of uh, Philippians, and Neil will be opening that up for us uh, a little bit later. Ahead of that, uh, we will be commissioning Dave Green, who's uh, going to be uh, leaving us to go to Papua New Guinea. Uh, it's a very exciting uh, venture for him that the Lord has called him to, and so we'll be commissioning him uh, for that. So let's, uh, before we start our service, let's just take a moment uh, just to quiet our own hearts, uh, to ready ourselves as we come to worship the one true living God. Uh, Father God, uh, we uh, do thank you and bless you that we can indeed uh, gather together this morning. Uh, Father, I know that uh, our hearts and minds are full of distractions. Uh, The things that uh, have been on our minds as we journeyed through the last week, uh, the challenges and the hopes of today and of the days ahead. But please, would you help us by your spirit just to lay those things down? Would you please lift our eyes up to the Lord Jesus. Would you ready our hearts uh, that we might hear you speak to us, uh, that we might be encouraged. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Peter, as he writes uh, to uh, the church, uh, he writes these incredible truths which remind us of why uh, we are here today. He says that, uh, know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as gold and silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. So your faith and hope are in God. That's why we're here. Because the Lord God sent his son for us in love. He ransomed us from death and brought us to eternal life. And not with cheap things like gold and silver, but with something that is more valuable than all the jewels beneath the earth. The blood of his own son. And with that, we have been ransomed. We have been bought. We have been brought to him. And because of that, we live as his people, knowing that we are going to live with him eternally, now and throughout all time. And that causes us, doesn't it, for our hearts to sing, that we would know that love for us. Father God, we are sorry for the times where we've lived for ourselves where we sought our own glory and not lived for you. Father, we come to you to say sorry for for those times. And we pray for your forgiveness. Amen. So hear these words of assurance that because of the blood that was shed for us at Calvary, that we can know we are right with God. The psalmist writes this in Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us 
as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Our Father in heaven, we are gathered this morning as your people to worship your holy name, to give you thanks for your gift of salvation through Jesus, the forgiveness of our sins. Bless us this morning that we might continue to know you are meeting with us as you promise. Almighty God, please pour out your Holy Spirit into this place. May his power come upon us, convict us of our sin, bless us to see the beauty of Christ, our Savior, minister to our needs. Lord God, glorify the name of Jesus in this place. Thank you, Lord, for the celebration this morning of sending out one of our own to serve you overseas. We're excited to send Dave, Lord, his passion for your glory and his boldness in sharing Jesus is a wonderful blessing. Thank you, Lord, for your work in his life. Lord, please take Dave safely to Papua New Guinea. Continue to have your hand of blessing on him that we might that he might be a blessing to many. Help him to settle quickly into his new surroundings. Bless him in his work as he supports those doing Bible translation. As they work to bring your word to the one in five people around the world who still need the Bible in their language. Lord, we long to see a world where everyone can come to know Jesus through your word. Father, take care of Dave's parents, Doug and Joy. Help them to see your love and care for Dave is dependable and steadfast. That you are a faithful God to those who put their trust in you. Thank you, Lord, for bringing our visitors here today. Lord, we know this is a special blessing to Dave. Help us to make them welcome and serve them well. We pray for Josh and Helen, Rafi and Sierra, as they settle back into life in North Africa. Thank you, Lord, for healing Josh's hearing. Bless them with good progress in their language learning and grant them wisdom and boldness as they share about Christ and the way of salvation. Father, we thank you for the work of contact. We thank you for the words that Dave shared of his testimony a week or so ago. Lord, I pray that you would use those words to reach into those lives that are still outside of your kingdom to draw them to trust in Christ. Bless Caroline as she leads that work. Father, we pray for those attending the What's Life All About course here at LCBC. Lord, in your mercy, grant them understanding and bless those who are searching with salvation in Christ and peace with you. Lord, we ask that you would give our pastors and elders wisdom, guide them, enable them with insight and understanding of your will as they lead this church, your people. Bless our members' meeting this Thursday.
Grant us direction by your Holy Spirit and unity as we meet. May Jesus be honored. Thank you, Lord, for all those who give financially towards your work in this place. Lord, help us to be good stewards of what you have provided. We know, Lord, that every good thing we have is a gift from you. Thank you, Lord. Bless this, Lord, bless this church, Lord, that we might be a blessing to this community for your glory. Lord, be with those who are unwell. Grant Louise Ludlow your grace. May she experience the comforting presence of our Lord Jesus and grant her family strength. Bring physical and spiritual healing to John Ismay. Sustain Barbara as she cares for him. Comfort those who are grieving the recent loss of loved ones. We pray for Wendy Hopcroft and Alan Gibson and Kathy Andrews. We pray for our nation, Lord. Raise up leaders who trust in you. Bless our government with wisdom to manage challenging situations well. Strengthen your church in this nation that we might boldly proclaim the gospel. And Lord, in our world, restrain evil. Sustain those who are doing good. Please, God, provide for those who are starving. Bring relief to those facing hardship. Frustrate the plans of those doing evil. Bring peace where there is war. Lord, exhibit your power in mercy for the glory of your name. Thank you for the Bible. Bless Jane as she reads for us now. Speak to us, Lord, through your word. Give us ears to understand and move our hearts to respond. Let's kneel with the power and freedom of your Holy Spirit as he preaches. Help us to know we are in the presence of the Almighty God. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. The reading this morning is from 1 Philippians, verses 18 to 30. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain 
and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Morning, everybody. Thank you, Jane, for for reading. Let's uh, pray as we do come to God's word. 2 Timothy 3 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Father, we come now as your, your servants We want to to serve you, to do the work that you have called us to, wherever that may be. And we thank you that you've given us your word to equip us for that. So Lord, use your word now and speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, those of you who followed Dave's journey from becoming a Christian only really a few years ago, uh, to being ready to go out to serve the Lord in Papua New Guinea on Tuesday, can only be amazed at the change that has taken place in him. How does somebody who only a few years ago had never been abroad, never even possessed a passport, had hardly read the Bible? How does he change to be willing to go to one of the most remote places in the world to work for a Christian organization that translates the Bible into different languages? Well, the short answer is that God's grace His undeserved loving kindness has enabled him to know Jesus and given him a desire to make him known to others. God has given Dave a passion for his word that led him to study it here as a ministry trainee of the church, to to meet with a group of men every week to read his word and to go to All Nations College to study it further. And as a result, he's gained a confidence in the truth of the gospel and in its power to save. And having been saved, Dave has been willing to serve God wherever he he wants him to, using the gifts that God has given him. And as we've heard, the gifts that he has given him are, are technical skills in the area of engineering. And in using them, as he says himself, he'll be keeping the machine of translation work going for God's glory. But what is it that will make Dave's work in PNG fruitful? What will make it all worthwhile? If we are Christians here this morning, what makes our work or our labor, and by that I don't necessarily mean paid employment, but whatever we do in the course of the week, what makes that fruitful and worthwhile? Well, that's what our Bible passage this morning will help us understand. 
For those who are our guests here this morning, we've been going through a sermon series in the book of Philippians, um, which the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in a place called Philippi in around 62 AD, so less than 30 years after the death of Jesus. And by God's time, in the passage in chapter 1 that we've uh, arrived at, it's particularly appropriate for today, as we commission Dave to go out and work for the Lord. Because it tells us three things about fruitful labor, which I hope will be helpful for all of us here this morning. Fruitful labor, first of all, seeks the prayers of others and the help of the Spirit. God does not call us to live the Christian life on our own. He calls us to be part of his worldwide body of believers. Whether we are a Christian here in the UK or in PNG, we have a strong bond. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. At the beginning of uh, chapter 1 of this letter to the Philippians, uh, Paul describes the believers there as my joy and crown. And the reason Paul gives for the joy with which he's able to pray for the Philippians is, as he says back in verse 5, because of their partnership in the gospel. The genuine Christian fellowship or partnership that Paul is talking about here, that he shares with the Philippian Christians, is something that binds them so closely together that even when they are apart, he has strong feelings for them. That bond is not broken by distance, because wherever we are, we can still pray for one another. Back in verse 9, we saw Paul praying for the Christians in Philippi that they would grow in love and purity, that they'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. Well, here in verse 18, he's thanking the Philippians for praying for him. As he says, I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Paul is in prison, he's in chains for Christ, his life is at risk, and yet he's still telling the palace guard about Jesus Christ. And for that he needs the help of the Spirit. He himself will be praying for the help of the Spirit, but the Spirit also responds to the prayers of others. It is their prayers that unlock the help of the Spirit. I've mentioned before the the, uh, biography of James Fraser called Mountain Rain. Some of you may have read that. He was a young Brit who, in the early 20th century, felt called to go out to China as a missionary, to the remote Lisu tribe up in the mountains. He was only 22 at the time. Dangers he faced were the mountainous terrain, not unlike PNG, the primitive living at that time, and tropical disease. But he knew his greatest threat came from spiritual attack. And yet his greatest weapon was that of prayer. This is what he wrote in his diary. He wrote, our work among the Lisu is not going to be a bed of roses spiritually. I know enough to realize he will have all his weapons ready for determined opposition. He will be a missionary simpleton who expected plain sailing in any work for God. I will not, by God's grace, let anything deter me from going straight ahead in the path to which he leads. But I shall feel greatly strengthened if I know of a definite company of prayers holding me up. I'm confident that the Lord 
is going to do work sooner or later among the least who hear. Sure enough, spiritual attack came. For many years, his work seemed to be unfruitful. For long periods, he wrestled with doubts and uh, suicidal despair. But he began to call more and more upon his friends at home to join him in disciplined, fervent, intercessory prayer, believing their work was just as necessary as his. And eventually, he saw great breakthroughs as hundreds of entire households gave up their idols to turn to the living God through sincere repentance and faith in Christ. They set up their own churches, and it's estimated today that there are some 300,000 Lisu Christians. Faith will need all our prayers. We can't just send them out and say, all the best days, hope it goes well, see you in a couple of years. We have to commit ourselves, as we have done this morning, to pray for him. Wherever we are trying to do gospel work, we will come under attack. We need the prayers of others and the help of the Spirit. So what are the particular things which Paul asks for prayer? What, what should we be asking for prayer for? Well, he says, I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now, that might sound like he's praying to be released from his chains, his deliverance from chains, from, from physical struggling. But if we read on, we see that's not actually the deliverance that he's hoping for. Because fruitful labor is also that which seeks to exalt Christ by life or by death. Verse 20, have a look down if you've got a Bible open. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. I think the deliverance uh, that Paul is hoping for is that he will not be ashamed. He will not be ashamed of the gospel, that nothing or no one will prevent him from speaking the truth about Jesus, that he will have no fear so that in all he says or does, even if it leads to his death, Christ will be exalted. What does it mean for Christ to be exalted uh, uh, by Paul in his body? Well, next week in, in chapter 2, we will see how God exalted Christ. Uh, he exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name above every name after his resurrection. But if that's the case, well, then how can Paul exalt him? Surely he's already in the highest place he can be. Well, for Paul to exalt Christ, for us to exalt Christ means to make him the most important person in our lives. The one we will never be ashamed of. That in everything we, we do, we want to be like him. We want to do what he wants to do. What he would do. Isn't that an amazing thing to live for? To have that as a purpose for our lives? Rather than all the other inferior things that we often strive for? That we often seek to exalt ourselves rather than Exalt Christ. Paul wants to exalt Christ by life or by death. That in whatever circumstances God has placed him and he's placed us, that we won't be ashamed of Christ, but we will seek to exalt him. And to do that, we, were, we need the prayers of each other, don't we? We need the help of the Spirit. So let's pray that for Dave. Let's pray that for each other as we go into school on Monday morning as we go to work 
on Monday morning, whatever activity we may be doing. Fruitful labor seeks to exalt Christ by life or by death. Thirdly, fruitful labor seeks to help others grow in their faith. Paul goes on in verse 21, For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If you're a Christian, you may know that verse already. It's a a commonly quoted one from the Bible. What exactly does it mean? It's quite difficult to fully understand, isn't it? Well, Paul goes on to say this. He says, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Fruitful labor is, as we've just seen, to exalt Christ in all we do. Whether that is training locals in, in PNG, in mechanical engineering, which you may feel is beyond you, certainly beyond me, whether it's studying at school, whether it's looking after young children at home. And yet Paul has this dilemma. He says this, he says, yeah, what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. He says, first of all, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. There's nothing better, he's saying, then going to be with Jesus at the end of our lives here on earth. If we are Christians, our whole lives are geared up to be going to be with him for the rest of eternity. That is our end goal. Everything we do should be working towards that end. That is our wonderful prize. That is when the work that has begun in us, that is referred back to in verse 6, which I know is a, a favorite verse of, of Dave's, that is when that work will be brought to completion. Now, we should make clear this point that Paul's decision is not something he has any control over. Uh, Ultimately, it will be what God decides in his timing. But Paul is expressing his desire. And what he's saying is, if it was just about me, I'd just want to go and be with Christ. But he says, well, it's not all about me. It's actually about you. And so he continues. He says, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. What's more important to me, Paul is saying, is your progress and your joy in the faith. Dave's been called by the Lord to serve him in in PNG. He's He's not going for himself. It's not like he's an avid traveler like like some of us who like a bit of a foreign adventure. It's going to be tough. A different climate, different culture, different language, poor infrastructure. But he's going because he wants to see others come to faith through having the Bible in their own language. And he's helping in the way that he can towards that. He's going because one day when he gets to heaven, he may meet somebody who's been helped through his work. And they together will be able to boast in Christ. And I hope that's the same for us, that whatever we do in this life, that we put aside our desires and our preferences and do it for the sake of others, for their progress and their joy in the faith. So when you see them again, whether it's in this life or the life to come, you can together share in the boasting in Christ Jesus. We don't do ministry so that we can be fulfilled or that others can congratulate us on our achievements. The word ministry means serving. Ministry 
is about serving others. God calls us to be faithful servants, not high achievers. If we focus on our achievement, then when things go well, we run the risk of becoming proud, thinking it's all about us. When they go badly, we'll become depressed and downhearted. Serving others in God's strength is far more fulfilling than serving ourselves, and it exalts Christ. So fruitful labor seeks to help others grow in their faith. And finally, fruitful labor seeks to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Paul starts verse 27 with these words. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In other words, your conduct doesn't depend on what happens. It may be easier to demonstrate good conduct when things are going well. But when tough times come... That's not an excuse for bad conduct. It's our circumstances, it's the stresses in our lives that often reveal the state of our hearts. You may be aware that one of our mission statements is equipping each other to to love Christ wholeheartedly and to live out the gospel in all of life. Which is the same as saying we want to equip each other to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. What does that mean there exactly? What does it mean to live out the gospel in all of life? Well, the gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord because he triumphed over sin and death by dying for our sins and rising again so that there is now no condemnation for those who believe in him but only everlasting joy. That's the gospel. So what does it mean to live it out? Well, Paul says he'll know if they're living out the gospel, if they're doing three things, that will indicate it. Uh, And these are, he says, he says, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know, first of all, that you stand firm in the one spirit. The expression to stand firm conveys the idea of holding your ground, which is often used in in a military context. As the war in Ukraine is about to enter its third year, the The strategy appears to be changing with the Ukrainian troops seeking to hold their ground against Russian attacks. What does it mean, though, to stand firm or hold your ground in a spiritual context? We're saying don't let the devil take back control of your life. If you follow Christ, you are now a new creation. You have a new Lord. Enjoy the new life of freedom that he's given you that is free from condemnation. Those who've struggled with, with addiction know what it's like to, to try and make sure the drugs or the alcohol don't take back control of their lives. That's their struggle, or one of them. But we all have some form of struggle. What was the sin that used to control us before we became Christians? That still seeks to try and recapture us. Was it money? Finding happiness through, through buying stuff, accumulating all sorts of belongings? Was it the status that goes with the career success? Was it sex? And lust and pornography is still a struggle for us. Paul's letter is addressed to all the believers in Philippi. He's not saying this is an individual battle you have to face on your own, but face it together in one spirit. The spirit is a gift from God to help us all in that spiritual battle. 
So let's be honest with one another. Let's share our struggles with one another. Let's seek the help of the Spirit to stand firm. Which brings us on to the next point. Striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Again, a military metaphor. To live in a manner worthy of the gospel, we need to walk side by side with Christian brothers and sisters. To fight as a single unit. It's our faith in the gospel of Christ, our desire to proclaim it, to live it out, that unites us, that makes us one. That's the most important thing in common we have. And we need to walk side by side. This is a title of a book that some of you I know will have read. Um, it's uh, written by Ed Welch. Um, the subtitle is Walking with Others in Wisdom and Love. We walk side by side. We accept that we are needy and that we can help others who are needy. We walk side by side. As Dave goes off to PNG, he will need to make Christian friends on the ground. He will need the support of those back home to strive side by side with him in prayer. When you young people go to to school, it's hard for you if you don't know any other Christians. I know some of you go to the CU, which is great. You've got a social meeting this evening with other Christians in TAME. Then make friends, use those opportunities to do so. Support one another. Older ones, look out for the younger guys. If you do end up going off to, to university, make it a priority to find a church. Join the CU. Seek those who will strive alongside you, who will walk side by side with you. Don't do what I did at university and stray away from the faith because I didn't find those Christian friends to support me. But maybe you're here in the church and uh, you've been coming for a while and even here you do feel on your own, you feel isolated. You'd like someone with whom you can pray and read the Bible and share your struggles. If that is you, then do have a word with with me or Saab or, or Liz afterwards and we'll try and put you together with somebody who can support you. Finally, if we're striving together, then it means we're not frightened in any way by those who oppose us. Our greatest fear, I'm sure we all have different fears in life, but our greatest fear should be the prospect of standing one day before God himself and giving an account of our lives. When we do that, if we try and justify ourselves through all the good things we've done in our our lives, and many of them may be good, that won't be sufficient to justify us, because none of us is perfect. But if we have accepted the gospel, then we have nothing to fear, because the gospel promises there is no condemnation for those who believe that we are loved by God, we are reconciled to him. And if our position before God is secure, we are his children, he is our father, then nothing, not even death, can change that then we have nothing to fear. Perfect love drives out fear. Hence, verse 28 says, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Paul could very easily have been frightened by uh, the palace guard, the prospect of death, but he wasn't afraid. He just kept on proclaiming Christ. Many of our overseas mission partners face opposition. In our Zoom prayer meeting on on Thursday, we had the joy of the coups joining us. Um, and they shared stories of local believers in the country where they're doing a Bible translation. 
And some of the things that they have to go through, the things they've had to give up for Christ. Some are imprisoned. Some are fearing for their lives. Some have fled the country and know they can never go back. The Nakias in India have been facing opposition from within their church. John and Abbey in Nigeria live in a country which is unsafe, where Christians are kidnapped, murdered on a regular basis. Wherever we do gospel work, we will face opposition and suffering. And the surprising thing from this letter is that whereas our natural reaction might be to try and avoid it or pray that it will go away, Paul actually embraces it. He welcomes it as a gift from God. He says this, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. And Paul was in Philippi. We learned from the book of Acts that he and Silas were attacked by a crowd. They were ordered by magistrates to be stripped and beaten with rods. They were thrown into prison. And it sounds now like the Philippian believers are going through something similar. And Paul's response to them, to, not, Paul's response to them is not to simply say, yeah, I know how bad that is. I've been through that myself. It's really tough. I'm sure he did say some of that. But he then goes on to say, just as your faith was a gift from God, so is your suffering. It's been granted to you on behalf of Christ to suffer for him. Why is it a gift? Well, because it enables us to know Christ better. It enables us to become more like him. And that is Paul's ultimate objective. Probably the key verse in the whole of this letter is Philippians 3.10. Flick over the page if you've got a Bible open. Philippians 3.10 says this, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him and his, in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. To recap, fruitful labor seeks the prayers of others and the help of the Spirit. Fruitful labor seeks to exalt Christ by life or by death. It seeks to help others to grow in their faith and seeks to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. I don't know whether you can remember our values as a church when the last time was you looked at them, but let me just put them on the screen for you to remember and as you look at them, just think of how many of these are covered in this passage we've been looking at this morning and how important these are. These are the things we want to be as a church. We want to be gospel-driven. We want to be Bible-shaped, spirit-empowered, prayer-dependent, people-focused, and mission-minded. Let's pray. Father God, as we think of the words that Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Father, we long for that day when we can go to be with you, when you will receive us with open arms as your children, and the prospect of an eternity of, of joy and peace. But Father, just as Paul desired to stay here because he 
had a, a heart for those around him. He wanted to see them grow in their, in their faith. He wanted to see progress and joy in their faith. Lord, help us too to, to want to help others, to serve others with the gifts that you've given us. In so doing, doing, Lord, help us to exalt Christ and not ourselves. Lord, help us not to go out from here in our own strength, but to rely on the prayers of others. Help us to pray for one another. Help us to seek the strength of the Spirit. Lord, help us to stand firm in our faith. Help us to, to strive side by side as one for the gospel. Lord, we thank you for what it means to be long to one body, a body of believers that meets here in this place, the body of believers throughout the world. Thank you that as Dave goes from here, he will not be separate from us because we're still one in Christ Jesus. We thank you for that wonderful privilege. In his name we pray. Amen. Uh, that does bring us uh, to the end of our service uh, this morning. And my prayer is that uh, the Lord met with you uh, this morning by his spirit uh, and through his word. Pray that your hearts have been encouraged uh, and lifted up your eyes, uh, raised toward our saviour, uh, the one who has rescued us. Uh, please do uh, take, the mo- take a moment uh, to pray uh, with the people around you just to encourage your heart. Uh, with that, please don't leave. Uh, if you have business to do with God this morning, uh, please do uh, pray uh, with someone. Um, there's uh, lunch. Just uh, please do stay if you've uh, booked in. Uh, have lunch uh, and uh, encourage Dave uh, and just uh, bless him uh, with, uh, with some, uh, some words of prayer uh, with him. Uh, let me uh, also just remind you that we'll, we will be meeting again this evening at six o'clock uh, to encourage our own hearts to, as we journey through uh, the book of Joshua, looking at uh, the God who is faithful uh, to his people. So please do join us uh, for that. And just to close with uh, some words, uh, a verse for the year, 1 Peter 1, three. Uh, Peter writes this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen.